Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. All right, good to see all of you today. Good to have everyone here. Uh, what would be really helpful to me is if I could find my Bible right now. It's not there. Uh, hey, Travis, because you may favor, would you look on the welcome desk out there and see if my Bible is out there by any chance? Actually, I know where it is, I bet. It's probably in the bathroom downstairs. Oh, it's right there. No, we got it. Someone let Travis know he's off the hook. This is a perfect illustration for my sermon this morning, but I didn't plan it. <laughs> Okay. Um, from the time I was a little kid, the earliest recollections, my father was a pilot. He was a pilot in the Marine Corps, a fighter pilot in the Marine Corps. And then in the later years in the Marine Corps, he transitioned into being a transport pilot. About the time I was eight years old, he became an airline pilot, flying for TWA. And uh, some of you probably aren't even old enough to remember TWA. Uh, but he was an airline pilot, and one of the real nice perks of that at the time was that we got to fly almost free. That's, I think it was $6 a person. And if you wanted to pay another $6, you could upgrade to first class. Now, it was, it was space available, right? So I have slept in the Los Angeles airport before uh, overnight because space wasn't available. In fact, one of the really cool things when Glenda and I were dating her family was on vacation out in California, and they were going to go to Disneyland, so I flew out and spent the day with them. So really cool stuff, all right? And so I put a lot of miles in the air. And, um, and so I've been through a lot of different weather conditions, a lot of experiences on the airplane. So far, I've survived, okay? Uh, but there's something that I have just never gotten used to, and that is turbulence. Oh, well, I heard that, okay. Yeah, you know, you're flying along, and of course, sometimes it's weather, right? I mean, it's weather. I, I've been in, in these, the, the smaller airplanes, the DC-9s flying, and, and when there's thunderstorms around, and man, that's pretty rough. And, and I remember flying out of Kansas City a few years ago. We couldn't fly. We're waiting, and we're on the tarmac waiting, 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 because lightning strikes keep happening too close, and there has to be a certain amount of time between lightning strikes within a certain distance. And so finally, we got the green light, and we went. And we flew, and I kid you not, and I look out that window over there and see these huge thunder clouds. Look over here, these huge thunder clouds. And the plane, I've ne this is the worst I've ever been on. I mean, it was like, you know, up, down, you, you know, you drop 3,000 feet, you think. It isn't quite right, but I mean, seriously, the plane was like this a time or two, you know. And, and then I was, so I was reading about that this week, turbulence, and, and it says... <laughs> It says sometimes the pilots lose control, and they have to regain control. <laughs> I thought they were always in control, right? That doesn't help me anyway, but I, I really don't like those when all of a sudden it feels like it's dropped or out of the blue, bang, you know, everything shakes. And, and so what a blessing it is to be able to fly, though. To go back and visit our family in, in Kansas City area, you know, we can do that in about three and a half hours by plane, and it used to take us three days by car. What a blessing, but guess what? You're gonna fly, 
turbulence goes along with it. It's going to be there. They even call it clear air, clear air turbulence. You know, just out of the blue, here you are, and so all of a sudden, bang, it hits. And, and sometimes, you know, the pilot hits the light, ding, goes on, and you see, and you hope you aren't in the bathroom when the plane goes, boop, 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 boop. All right. But the idea is this. So flying is this, there's really good things about it, but there's turbulence. I mean, it, it comes with it. It's just part of the package. Okay? So in life, as we go through life, there, there's a lot of things like that in life, too, aren't there? Have you ever said or heard somebody say, they're talking about, well, here's what I'm planning to do, to, but with my luck, whatever, right? We have this sense that something's going to go wrong. Murphy's Law, right? If something can go wrong, it will, right? Uh, we have that sense. And why is that? Well, it's because even though life has a lot of good stuff, there's what? Turbulence, isn't there? There's turbulence there along the way. And so here we are today. I, you know, Dave mentioned it, but isn't it good? To, it's kind of like, I don't you know, lots of things to talk about, but that have nothing to do with the Bible and God. But the pandemic, it's kind of like all of a sudden, it's just gone, isn't it? Isn't that nice? I mean, it's not completely right, but it's gone, it's going away. Such good news, we're all excited. And then you go to the grocery store. Wait a minute, this stuff is getting close. Some of this stuff is almost twice as much as it was before. And, and then you go to the gas station. What? Right, and then we're told it may get worse because of the war and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> See, this is this reality that we experience in life. There's good and there's bad, right? There's... There's the spiritual and the physical. There's the, uh, like I said, good and bad. There's the, the easy and the hard. There's the right and there's the wrong. There's the pleasure and there's the pain. So what do we make of this? And, and it's really important that we figure it out because people in life oftentimes run into the turbulence. They run into this problem. And if, if they don't understand what's going on and they, may they respond wrongly to it, you know, this is how people end up responding to the turbulence in life with drugs, alcohol, immorality, trying to, you know, they respond wrongly to what's going on. They have a wrong view of what a solution is. Sometimes people even despair, right? take their own lives. I mean, it's important that we understand how life works and what's going on there and what to make of it all. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Page 1244 in the Bible that's under the chairs there. And so always we encourage you, if you don't have a Bible with you, to pick it up and follow along. It'll be helpful to you. John 16. As Jesus is getting ready, it's getting pretty close. We just sang about at the cross. He's getting close to going to the cross. He's spent this last night with his disciples, been talking about lots of things. Uh, and here in chapter 16, it's kind of coming down. The next thing he's going to do after chapter 16 is just have an extended time of prayer with his father. Uh, so chapter 16, starting in verse 16, he's talking to his disciples. And we see, you know, his disciples and their struggles here. Jesus says, 
a little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. Just, just hit me right now that I shouldn't be surprised that sometimes when I'm done preaching, you guys don't understand me. Because if someday they don't understand Jesus, you guys certainly aren't times going to understand me. But anyway, all right, a little while, we do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me? Do you see this, 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 this tension, right? This back and forth things, okay? Verse 20, most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. So you see, we have this, again, this, these contrasts, this back and forth. Verse 21, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. I mean, if you've ever been around the birth of a child, you see that, right? I, I mean, I always have to speak cautiously because I never gave birth. But I have watched it up close. And, you know, I mean, I remember thinking, you know, what could I even say to my wife? What could I do, right? I mean, she is not happy about what's happening at the moment. <laughs> but then all of a sudden the baby's born and that just what? Changes. Now she's weeping for joy, right? So that's what he's talking about, okay? This kind of thing, how things change like that. Verse 22, therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and you, your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you'll ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Really? Are you sure about that? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Talking about what was going to happen when they came to take Jesus captive to crucify him, that they run and scatter for fear. And he says this, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And now he gives us a summary kind of statement of the whole thing, the big picture. And he says these, this, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so we see here throughout this passage, and then I think in that summary statement there, we see this idea of tension. There's always a tension. You sorrow now, you're going to rejoice, right? There is tribulation. You will experience tribulation, but there is peace. This, this, and this is the experience of our lives, isn't it? Probably the experience of your life this morning. You know, last week in the Bible study class out here, I was talking and telling them everything that had gone wrong last Sunday morning. Nothing terrible, but just a multitude. I mean, it seemed like a multitude, a lot of things that just hadn't gone right. And so this week, things have gone really pretty good. And everything went really smooth until I got up to preach and realized my Bible wasn't up. <laughs> now, that's a small thing, right? That's not a big deal. But you understand there's this, this tension always in life. And it is important that we understand it because if we don't, we can reach wrong conclusions and, and we make really bad decisions. Or another thing that's, that's almost just as bad, and that's that if we don't understand it, and so we just kind of get neutralized. We start saying, what's the point, right? And we just bump along, trying to avoid the turbulence. And none of that's going to work. So this is really, really important that we get a handle on this. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so tribulation and then everything else that, that Jesus is doing. So... Um, this word tribulation um, communicates the idea, we know difficulties, troubles, trials, suffering, uh, but it, it comes from a word, root word which means pressure or to crowd. And so we're thinking about tribulations, what happens in our life there now and then, these hard things, bad things, evil things, inconvenient things, whatever, start to pressure us, don't they? They pressure, and they crowd us in, and we're having to deal with them, and we can't escape the fact that we're having to deal with them. Now, aren't there times in life, too, that everything just goes awesome, right? I mean, so this isn't all one or the other, but you're always going to be experiencing a combination of these things as you go. And so this idea of tension, what, what is tension? It's, it's uh, tension, We've, we know the idea of pulling something, there's tension, right? But we're talking about a different kind of tension. And so uh, the dictionary defines this kind of tension like this. It's a relationship between ideas or qualities with conflicting demands or implications. Okay, so we have ideas that conflict. And, and this idea, oh, well, wait, that means this, or I should mean that, right? Or qualities of what's going on demands, you know, our attention. Or the and, and we're pulled back and forth, okay? People are wonderful. They are made in the image of God. I love people. People are terrible. They can be so mean and so hurtful. And sometimes that can be within, this, within five minutes spell, can it? See, and so we have this conflicting pull and, and how do we deal with these things? What do we, we think about these things? Um, what we wanna say is it's a reality. And that's why I entitled the sermon, The Tension Reality. It is just a reality of life, which we need to see biblically. We need to see with a biblical perspective or we will not do well, that will not go well for us. And so, so three truths here about tension, this tension. First is that life is filled with tension, right? 
It just is. Uh, anybody experienced any tension this morning? That's okay, tell us, right? I mean, it's just a reality, isn't it? Life is filled with it. So we'll see there's some things that we're going to need to do about it because of that. Uh, it is an ongoing reality. Now, non-Christian, non-Christian philosophers and non-Christian religions have tried to make sense of this kind of thing. And so you all have seen at some point or another the, the symbol the for yin and yang, okay? Yin and yang, it uh, uh, comes from ancient China. It's from Taoism. And the idea is that there, there's good and there's bad. And, and, and when they say bad, they don't mean bad the same way I, you and I do. But they just mean that there's things that, you know, we experience in life, and they, they view it as complementing each other. That's how we keep in balance. That's what they say. Now, a more popularized version of this for us is, is, is what's called Zoroastrianism, and it was popularized in the movie Star Wars, the movie series Star Wars. It's the force, right? Because there's what? The light side, the good side, and there's the dark side or the bad side. Okay. Now, the difference between these two competing ideas is that Taoism says that, that these things complement each other, and Zoroastrianism and how it's portrayed with the forces, these things fight each other, okay? But you see what's happening is it's just a world of people without understanding who God is trying to make sense of what's going on. And that's the problem. They're missing out on the solution, aren't they? And that is that there's a God who ultimately is over all. And don't misunderstand, I'm not telling you that, oh, these religions are getting it right. That's not my point, because they're not. By the way, don't put a yin and yang sticker on your car or buy a with it. Just, it's this false religion, okay? False beliefs. Don't do that. What I'm trying to say is that it is such a reality in the world. What we're talking about here is not something that only Christians can see. Every person who's ever lived sees it and experiences it and has to try to make sense out of it. Okay? So this idea of life being filled with Tension. There's a, a, we see a, a really good uh, Christian expression of this when the Apostle Paul is talking about his struggle with sin. So let's look here in Romans chapter 7. He says, I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So see this, this tension, right? I want to do what's good, but evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And so we see, even from a Christian perspective, there is this tension that we live with. Well, the second truth about tension is this, that God's intention is for tension to get your attention. I try to say that fast, three times this morning. God's intention is for attention to get your attention. God's intention for attention is to get your attention. God's intention, no, see. God's intention for he allows this is to get our attention. Okay? Uh, and we see that same passage that the Apostle Paul was saying, I got this tension, this struggle. I, I want to do what's right, and yet I have this pull to do what's wrong, and it's always present. You know, what am I going to do? You know, wretched man that I am, a miserable man that I am. And so he says this, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The tension doesn't go away, but is there a solution? Is there a way to see this and to deal with it? And see, this is what happens. So Paul's saying, here's my tension. I'm miserable unless there's a solution. And guess what? Wait a minute, there is. And isn't that, when we read the passage, what Jesus says, he says, I have what? Overcome the world. See, and so God's intention is that our attention would turn to him as we deal with the tension in life, as we try to make sense of all of it. And, and so sometimes the, this tension, it hurts. Sometimes it's just inconvenient, right? Sometimes it's nagging. Sometimes it's just, you know, wow, it's in our face, but sometimes it just hurts. And that could be an ongoing pain, or it could be just big pain that occurs. And when I say pain, I don't just mean physical pain. I mean, it includes physical pain, but it's also that emotional pain, that heart pain. Well, C.S. Lewis wrote about this, and he said this. He says, we can ignore even pleasure, right? We, we can, when, you, when things are going well, you don't pay much attention to the tension, do you? When things are going well. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Go ahead. No doubt pain as God's megaphone is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepented rebellion if somebody you know, can rebel against God because of it, but it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. And what we're saying is that as every person goes through life and this tension that exists, and sometimes that tension is painful, it brings heart painful. And what he's saying is that God has allowed this so that we will have to look at it and say, what's going on here? We have to say like Paul, oh, wretched man, I'm miserable. This is miserable. Isn't there a solution to this? And he says that, that God uses this to, to force us to those places in our lives, even the unsaved. Now he says, yes, somebody can say, I'm mad at you, God, and I'm not having it, and they can turn away. But God has been faithful to them to show them that there is a problem. You know, what's one of the problems of cancer? Besides the fact that it kills you eventually, usually. If you, the problem is, is that we can have cancer for a long time and what? not know it. And it isn't until something starts hurting. I mean, sometimes they find it accidentally, right? But it's when something starts hurting or some problem arises that all of a sudden we do what? Wait a minute, something's not right here and we begin to look for what's going on. And, and so uh, pain, as much as we don't like it, pain has a very positive purpose in it. I've told this story before, but let me tell you again. Uh, a man named uh, Henry Brand worked with lepers over in India for years, trying to help them as a Christian ministry, but also help them with the very practical things in life. Because the particular kind of leprosy he was dealing with is called Hansen's disease. What happens is people lose the ability to feel pain. They lose the ability to feel pain, and so they, they injure themselves. 
Okay, now, I am a real tenderfoot. You know, my wife grew up running around barefoot. Me, I put on shoes to get out of bed. No, I'm joking. It isn't that bad. But, you know, if you, there are places you want to walk across the gravel. And, I, you know, that, that to me, it's just like, oh, hurtful. And, um, and then the hot pavement. Like this black asphalt here in the summertime, it gets hot. Try that barefoot, right? I mean, but what happens, see, I feel the pain. And so because of that, I don't walk barefoot on this hot, hot asphalt. What if you didn't feel the pain? You, just, you, you could eventually damage your feet, right? You step on things that cut your feet, and you don't know it. And then what happens? You, it gets infected. And next thing you know, your fingers that you injured and didn't take care of are falling off. And your toes, and, and they begin to lose body parts because of this. So it isn't the disease itself that takes the body part, it's the lack of pain and therefore the lack of caring for, you know, addressing the cause of the pain that brings the trouble. And so it is that God has been faithful to us by allowing us to have pain. Pain protects us. Well, he also has allowed pain in the world. The emotional pain, the heart pain, the relational pain, all of these kinds of things to get us to see that what? Hey, there's a problem here. There is a problem. What is, the, what is this? What's going on? What's happening? And I want to tell you that I am just as convinced as can be that when the person, any person honestly openly asks, what's going on here? What's the problem? Is that God shows up and begins to draw them to himself in the solution. And so God has allowed this turbulence to continue, this pain sometimes for our benefit. Okay, all right, the third truth about pain. You know, if, if you read a, a book, a novel, and there's no tension in the story, how much of that book do you read? You keep hoping, right? You keep reading and you find it, put it down, okay? I've done that with novels over the years. Same thing with a movie, right? A movie that doesn't have tension in it. And why is that? It's, you know, we, we, the tension that's there, you know, we're sitting on the edge of our seat, like, at least that's people like me. Yeah. I can sit down in five minutes in a movie and be, oh, anyway, getting into it and feeling it, but it's, it's because what's coming? We know. Almost always what's coming, the good ending. The tension gets resolved. The problem gets solved. In fact, I have been so mad at a couple movies in my life when they did not. They left it terrible. I'm like, ah! But this idea, it's that tension that makes the happy ending. I mean, what if they just started with the happy ending? That's nice. But it's when it what? When it has resolved that tension when it has resolved that problem. So it is. This uh, truth about tension is that tension elevates our appreciation of God's blessings, both now and in the future. Okay? That both now, the idea is because we don't always have tension. We don't always have this difficulty, the pain, the sin, the suffering. We don't always have that. We have other things. And so we really appreciate it because in, in eternity, man, I, I tell you, I think that one of the greatest things that's going to happen is the, the moment that 
I stop living here and go to live with the Lord or when he returns for us and takes us. You know, we live under the curse of sin. Isn't it? It's always there, isn't it? It's always around. And I think it weighs heavier on us than we realize. And in that day, when all of a sudden, it's gone. Right? It's gone. We didn't know. We didn't even understand. But we will appreciate that so much more because of what we have experienced in this life, in the here and now. And this is why Jesus can say things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst because, because, because God is doing something. Blessed are those who are persecuted because great is their reward in heaven. See, we have this tension that makes us look to heaven. And one of our problems in trying to deal with tension is that we think that heaven should be here. But it's not. All right? So the Apostle Paul says it like this in Romans 8.18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Wow. So as you go through life and you're facing this tension, realize, let it point your heart toward home, which isn't here, right? It's with the Lord. And so every time you experience that tension, let it point you toward home. All right, so how do we respond to these things? You know, how do we as Christians respond to this inescapable tension in life? Well, the first, first thing is five things we'll move through fairly quickly here. First one is this, don't be surprised when you experience the tension. Don't be surprised. Uh, Pete, uh, yeah, Peter says this, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. It's all those things we've just been talking about, okay? He's going to address this tension. He enables us to live with it now, and then he will address it and take care of it in the future. But don't be surprised. What did Jesus say? What did we read he says? In the world you will have... You guys still out there? Tribulation. You're going to have these things. So stop being surprised by it. And, and, and so here's kind of where this works out for me. Can I just be real straightforward with you? There's a couple of questions you need to stop asking. Now, I understand sometimes in the spur of the moment we just ask these questions, but we cannot be seriously asking these questions and letting the answers you know, that we're looking for try to solve our problems. And those questions, the first one is this. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Let me ask you a question. Are you still breathing? Are you? That's why it's happening to you. All right, does that make sense? Now, now don't misunderstand me, you know, that, that I mean, well, actually I'll talk about that in just a minute. The other question is, what did I do to deserve this? Right? Hey, I get it. I, I felt that. This isn't fair. This isn't right. 
Yeah, and your point, Walt? Right, you know what I'm trying to say? And so very often, I mean, we can sometimes deserve things, right? We, we reap what we sow. We make bad decisions, we reap bad results. I mean, that's going to be the case. But because life is the way it is, Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation unless you just do everything right, and then you won't have tribulation. He didn't say that, did he? He said, no, in the world you have tribulation. Good news is you got me. That's what Jesus said. Okay, so we need to stop asking this question because here's the deal. God won't waste any of the pain and difficulties we go through, but let me say to you, we can. We can waste them. And so if I get all sidetracked in feeling sorry for myself, you know, I didn't deserve this. Why is this happening? See, this is why this is part of this sermon series and I've talking about of, of things that we need to kind of get settled in our lives if we're going to live lives that are worth living. we got to settle this one. And so we got to stop thinking, you know, again, why is this happening? What do I do? And that's, that doesn't mean we don't say, Lord, what should I learn from this? We should say that. That's good. That's positive. But we don't want to waste it. So don't be surprised when you experience the tension. Second truth, let the tension draw your attention to the Lord and your relationship with him. Because what did Jesus say? In the world you will have tribulation. But what? In me, in your relationship with me, you have peace. Is that peace only when you're not experiencing tribulation? No, in fact, when do you really notice it? You notice the peace when you are experiencing tribulation. So it's in me. It's about a relationship with him. So why Peter said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Third truth, or third response, live in the tension with a view to God's victory over it and his deliverance of you from it, both now and in the future. We already kind of got the idea in the future it's going, right? That'd be nice. But now, too, because what we discover is that, yes, the winds blow, the storm howls, the rain falls, maybe even the earth shakes. But if we have a relationship with Christ, if we receive Jesus as our Savior, our lives are built on a rock, a solid foundation that will not fall. Okay, so we want to live in that tension with it. This is where uh, Paul says, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. There it is, see? We're living it, but our relationship with Christ is renewing us in the middle of the trials. This is for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let me say to you, this includes both the good and the bad, the easy and the hard. It includes all of it. That what I see and experience now is not what I let determine what I believe and how I respond. No, instead I'm going to look to the spiritual truths. I'm going to look to what God has said. I'm going to look to my relationship with Him. That is how I'm going to make my decisions. That is how I'm going to respond to these things. And then Paul says, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are confident, yes, 
well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That day's coming. So he's with us now. He holds us up now. He gives us wisdom to deal with the now. He gives us his strength to deal with the now. He strengthens our faith. And I mean, you see what I'm saying? He hasn't left us alone in the mass. And what did he say here? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And that doesn't just mean sometime in the future. It means right now, today. In the middle of whatever you're going through. The fourth way to respond is this. Let your belief, your attitudes, your actions be governed by the truth that God is working all things together for our good. We know the verse, right? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now understand, together for our good. Some of us think that if we look up the Greek word for that, it means what I want, <laughs> what I like, but it doesn't. It means good from God's perspective. And in the whole passage where it's written, it means he's going to use it to make you more like Jesus. That's what he's in the process of doing. But he is doing that. So we need to believe. Our beliefs need to reflect that. Our attitudes need to reflect that. Our actions need to reflect that. That God, we believe God is really working for our good. And because what did he say here? Jesus says, in me you may have what? Peace. Peace in the middle of it all. And then the fifth and final responsibility here, our responsibility is this, that in the middle of all the tension, our responsibility is to love him, to live with him, to live for him. When things are going good, love him. When things are going good, live with him. Live with that awareness of, wow, Lord and me together. And then if it's going good, live out into the world around you. But when it's going bad, what? Love him. What's going bad? Live with him. Remember, he's present in your life. When it's going bad, go ahead and live for him in the world. You know, I've seen, I've seen this over the years, and, and it's, I get it, because we're human. But when, when someone comes into troubles in their life, serious troubles, one of the first things, not always, but often I've seen it, that that person all of a sudden disappears from church. And I don't mean just they, oh, they show up and do their time. I mean, but they aren't coming to be with God's people. They, they disappear. And by the way, that's the wrong time to walk away. There isn't a good time to walk away. But for sure, that's the wrong time. You know, I see people who all of a sudden they're struggling with sin, and I know they've fallen back into significant sin in their lives that's messing them up. And guess what they tend to do? Disappear. It's not the time to disappear. It's the time to what? Show up. I need to be here. But this idea, so in the middle of it, good and bad, love him, live with him, live for him. And then, so this idea of be of good cheer, right? Be of good cheer. Keep living your life with him. And so let me leave you with this thought today. What I want you to do is take a biblical, big picture view of the reality of tension. All the things we've been talking about. Okay, here's what's really going on. Here's what God's doing. And then bring it down into the details of your moment-by-moment living. Here I am. I'm, things are going well. I need to remember that there's a tension reality here, right? 
And I need to love God and live with him and live for him. I need to do that. And when it goes bad, because here's the deal. When all of a sudden it goes bad and then it goes bad again and it gets worse and then it goes bad again, and right? And anybody ever had one of those days? One of those weeks, months, years? It's so crucial that you be able to say, in the middle of it, because you're human and you're pulled and tugged, and, but you look at it and you say, wait a minute, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. Jesus said, in this world I'm going to have tribulation. But in the middle of it all with him I can have peace. Because ultimately he has overcome this. And no matter how bad it is, then I can do the next right thing to glorify God, whatever it is. Huge, huge. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would help us to have this view of the world, a very biblical view of the world, that you are at work in us and in our lives through the good, through the bad, through the easy, through the hard, through the things we like, through the things we don't like. You have never abandoned us. You are faithful and you are using it all. Help us, Lord, to remember that so that we can just make the next decision to trust you the next decision to live by your wisdom, the next decision, sometimes maybe just not even knowing what to do, just reaching out to somebody to have, for help. I pray, Father, you'd, you'd really press this down into our, our souls today. And I would ask, Lord, if somebody doesn't have a personal relationship with you yet, that you'd use these thoughts, Lord, to draw them to you. And I pray you'd even encourage them to ask and let us help them Start that relationship with you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.